Thank you, praise team. Let's continue in worship this morning by taking our Bibles and turning to the second chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. And our theme this morning, the word for the day is peace. Our theme is peace. It reminds me as our children were growing up in Sylacauga, I always at the breakfast table had a word for the day. And I would try to come up with something creative that they could remember. I remember one day the word was geometry. A little acorn fell from the tree. It lay there in the grass. The sun and the rain began to come day by day. After a while, the acorn said, geometry. Okay, <clears throat> that's, that's probably the highlight of the word for the day. But the word for the day is peace. But as, before we get there, I, I, I can't help but, um, I know there are a couple of differing emotions I know in our church family today. Our, our hearts and prayers go out to uh, William Godwin, who lost his father this week. And William, you're certainly in our, our prayers. And, um, and I just, we're so excited about the Wiggins family. Uh, this afternoon, the reception to celebrate 65 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I have a hint that y'all have known for 65 years what some people don't know for 65 minutes, and that's love and faithfulness and concern, and that's a blessing of God. And I'm going to play off your anniversary and to take you back in time. If you've been married 65 years, eight years prior to your wedding was 1941. Were y'all married in 49? Okay, on this day, December 7th, 1941, we remember, or we don't remember, we've read about what happened. On a Sunday morning, as a matter of fact, to this day, December 7th, 73 years ago today, our nation suffered an attack, a surprise attack. Between 7.55, 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, a lot of the Naval personnel had gone on leave. They were in town. Some had gone to religious services. And uh, all of a sudden, the air was filled with 360 Japanese airplanes that bombed Pearl Harbor. On this day, 73 years ago today. And I share that story with you because, you know, we're, we're past that. And we're, as a nation, you know, when tragedy comes, just as we always do as Americans, we pull together and our nation pulled together. Our nation went to war. A lot of lives were lost. A lot of lives were changed. But in that day, in that moment, when word came back, and certainly we didn't have all the communication media that we have today, but as soon as word came, everybody's life was different. Everybody who was living at that time, in just an instant, things were changed. Just like 9-11 here for us in 2001, our lives were changed. And my point is this, is that as we talk about peace this morning, earthly peace is so fragile, is it not? Earthly peace is so fragile. It can all change, as we would say, on a dime. It can all change so suddenly. But this morning, we want to observe and celebrate and talk about a peace that never changes. Because the peace that we have as Christians comes to us not because of circumstances, but, becomes, but comes to us and is ours because of a relationship 
that we have with an eternal God who never changes. He never changes. So our prayer this morning is that as we talk about the peace of God, that we will realize that the peace that God offers to us is more than circumstantial. It's more than a place. A lot of us have memories of a, of a peaceful place growing up, and we long to go back to those days whenever we had uh, or maybe a specific place where we grew up and we think about family, and, and we long for that day when there's peace. But you know, the, the peace that God gives to us is much more substantial than that because it's based on His presence, His character. Let's look this morning at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, verses 7 through 9. This ties into what we talked about last week. Last week as we uh, were looking, we talked about how creation lives in hope of a day when it will be restored. This is what creation is longing for, this day that we're reading about here in Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord, the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, which means pleasure or paradise. The Garden of Eden, a place of pleasure or paradise. And there, in the midst of the garden, he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful picture of paradise, a place of total peace, a place of un unimaginable pleasure, a place of unimaginable beauty, an amazing place. But God, it's a place, Lord, that we long for even today, a place of peace, a place of serenity, but most of all, a place where you dwell. God, we pray this morning as we talk about peace, that, God, you would flood our hearts today with your peace. Father, the, the peace of God. And, Lord, because we know, as we heard from your word earlier, you are the God of peace. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to begin by looking at this passage. We see that paradise was more than a place. It's described here as a very peaceful place. It's described here as a very beautiful place. And for me, there's just one word. I'm going to say it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know if you've ever traveled across the country and been involved in, or been to places where you would look at the Grand Canyon or you would look at a certain natural beauty and you just say, this is amazing. Well, if we could see the Garden of Eden, if we could have seen this garden, this place where God placed Adam and Eve, we would have just, our jaws would have dropped. This is amazing. It's so peaceful. It's so beautiful. It truly is the most amazing place in the world. And this is where God placed Adam and Eve. And you know, as we look at this place, we have to realize that it was a peaceful place, but paradise was more than a place. What made this place, this garden, paradise, was the fact that God himself would walk and talk with Adam and Eve. The scripture says that God would come and he would walk with them that he would be walking in the garden and that God was talking with Adam and Eve and he had a personal relationship with them. That God had a relationship with Adam and Eve where they could call on him anytime they needed him. 
that God knew where they were, God knew what was going on, and they, they had a relationship with God just as, you know, I love what the Exodus said about Moses, that Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Isn't that the kind of relationship we desire to have with God? But that's the kind of relationship that Adam and Eve had with God in paradise. God was with them. It was more than a place because that was a place where God dwelled. Next, we see that paradise was lost because of sin. Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord. They had eaten of the forbidden fruit. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Now think with me for just a moment what's happened here. Adam and Eve are living in paradise. (laughs) I I love the humorous story where Adam is walking with his two sons one day, and they looked over there and said, Dad, what's that? They said, that's the garden. So that's where we used to live until your mom ate us out of house and home. But they had this opportunity. They had this wonderful opportunity to live in this beautiful garden, this peaceful place, this amazing place. Uh, They had an opportunity to live in the presence of God. And they disobeyed God. And so the consequences of their sin was not only a displacement from where they lived, but the Scripture tells us that when they disobeyed God, that death entered into the world. And death spread to all men because all men have sinned. And so death is spiritual separation from God. And so we see this this paradise lost in the Garden of Eden. Paradise was lost because of sin. From that point on, things would be different. From that point on, man would no longer have that ability to walk with God, to talk with God, and have that communion and that fellowship, that intimate relationship with God, because sin separates man from a holy God. The scripture tells us in Ezekiel 38 that the sin, that the soul that sins shall surely what? Die. So death came into the world. From that point on, paradise was lost. And so from that point on, that moment in history, God has been working his plan, revealing his plan. We, we call it progressive theology. God has been progressively revealing himself, restoring mankind, and working toward a point where paradise can be regained. But at that moment, it was lost. See, everyone longs for that perfect place. We all long for that paradise, that, that place. You know, as you think about it, there's a phrase around Christmas, you know, going home for Christmas, going home for Christmas. Now, what, what exactly does that mean? You know, I, I love to go home for Christmas. My dad died a few years ago. My mom still lives there. And I remember our home was, I have an older brother, younger sister, and we had a tiny little kitchen. My brother sat with his back to the oven. Every time mom wanted to get something out of the oven, he had to stand up and move. It was so tiny. I mean, home is, and she, <laughs> it's funny, when we all went off to college, she built a, her kitchen, had it remodeled, big enough to feed an army now. But uh, we had that tiny kitchen. Is that what I remember? No. Is that what I'm longing for at Christmas? No. 
I'm longing for those peaceful times of joyful times that we share together as a family. I'm longing for that intimate relationship. You know, I'd give anything to be able to sit down and just talk to my dad. But he's not there. To have that family back together. But we've all gone our separate ways. And probably like many of your families, it's going to be hard for us to get together at Christmas where we're all there. Several years ago, our spouses allowed us, my brother and my sister and I, to go. They kept the kids, and it was just me, my brother and sister, my mom and dad, and we had a night together at Christmas. That's a great gift, spouses, really. But it still wasn't the same because I had three children of my own, and we all had to, but we all longed to go back for times of peace and serenity. For Adam and Eve, I'm sure there were thoughts, man, I wish we could just go back to the way things were. But there was a problem. Sin entered into the world. And as a result of sin, enmity and strife entered the world. There was enmity between the woman and the serpent. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God says, I will put enmity, I will put strife between you, excuse me, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your, you on the head. He shall crush you on the head. And you shall bruise him on the heel. There was enmity between the man or the seed of woman and the serpent. There was enmity that entered to the world between God and man. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. It's hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God. Now, because of sin, there's, there's a broken relationship between man and God. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, that before Christ, he tells us we were enemies of God. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he said we were by nature children of wrath. Because of sin, paradise was lost, fellowship was broken. It all was blown because of disobedience. We're children of wrath apart from Christ. You know, we have a hard time understanding that, don't we? The reason we have a hard time understanding it is because we have a hard time, hard time understanding the nature of sin. That our sin is a direct affront to God. Enmity was declared between man and woman. But also there's, in Genesis 3.15, there's that first hint of a promise that paradise could be restored. He shall crush you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. When paradise was lost, there was that hint, that promise that one day it could be restored. We're going to fast forward to the time of Christ. Number three, paradise is restored through Christ. What was lost in the garden, what was lost in the garden was restored at the cross. This time last year, December the 3rd, yes, our granddaughter was born. Her name is Eden Anastasis. Everybody knows what Anastasis means, but Eden, let me explain to you. No, Eden means paradise, pleasure. Anastasis in the Greek means resurrection. So in at the birthday party yesterday, we had a few days late, little Eden Anastasis. Okay. Eden came in for her birthday party wearing a t-shirt 
and you can't tell anybody, she's going to be a big sister. No, okay, you don't have to clap, but that's just our news, okay? But you can't tell anybody, okay? You can't tell anybody. All right, but Eden, Anastasis, Eden, pleasure, paradise, what was lost in the garden is restored at the resurrection, amen? Paradise is restored through Christ. The enmity that was in the world is now, we have been brought back together. When Christ died, he died to reconcile man to God. Man can now have a relationship with God. But here, it's not complete in terms of everything, like we said last week. Creation, Paul said in Romans 8, creation moans and bears the pains of childbirth even now, anxiously waiting for the day when we will be, our adoption as sons will be complete. Now, without being too technical here, but you ladies who've had children, I heard one lady said the first thing she's going to do when she gets to heaven is whoop Eve. You know, because there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain in childbirth. But with the pain of childbirth, there's anticipation. And so Paul says that's exactly what the world is doing. Creation is doing. Is it's like a, a mom waiting for that child to be born. Creation waits anxiously, bearing the pains of childbirth for the adoption to create the the adoption of us as sons of God when Christ returns and our salvation is complete. But right now, creation itself is waiting for that special day. Creation itself is longing for that time when Christ will return and we will all be restored. So creation will be restored in Christ. But most importantly for us, we have a relationship now with God through Christ. It's twofold. First of all, through Christ, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Anybody here named Irene? Irene? I knew Irene Garrigus. She lives to be 99 years old. She makes the best egg custard. Irene is the word for peace. Peace. Now, don't you know, church, this means a lot to me because when I was 15 years old, I was diagnosed with autism. I worried about everything. I internalized everything. I, I, I was such an anxious person. But Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Christ. I remember in Bryant Hall in room 301, the night I trusted Christ, I laid my head on my pillow for the first time I had peace with God. Because I wasn't trusting in my own good works. I wasn't trusting in myself any longer. I was trusting totally and completely in Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God. That's why Paul says that we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. Through Christ, we can have that relationship with God. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. God is the gospel. That's what the gospel is all about. We can have a relationship with God. Paul said in Romans 5.10, For if while we were enemies, again, we see the enmity between man and God because of sin. He said, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We come this morning to visually remember this, what, what was the price that was paid so that we could be reconciled to God. The relationship that was broken in paradise initially, the relationship that was broken in Eden has been restored. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of his birth. It was alluded to earlier, Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, 
and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Micah chapter 5, verse 5 says, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago and from the days of eternity. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. This one will be our peace. So church, we see the peace that God offers us is not circumstantial. It's very personal. Paul said in Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 13, <clears throat> But now, <clears throat> excuse me, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. We have peace with God through Christ. So also, Scripture says, you know, peace with God is our justification. That's how we are made right with God. But the scripture also tells us that we can have, through Christ, we have the peace of God. This peace is experiential peace. It's the peace that Jesus gives to his children. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. It's a peace that the world does not understand. You can't find this peace in the world, but it comes only through Christ. It's a gift that he gives to his children. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, peace. It's a peace that the world doesn't know. It's a peace that you won't find anywhere else but in the person of Jesus Christ. And we find that peace when we surrender our own efforts to please God, to know God, and to be good enough to earn his favor and we place our trust and faith totally and completely in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> The peace we have with God and the peace that we have, the peace of God. You know, as believers, we can, we can miss the peace of God if we're not careful. The peace of God, Paul says, when we pray, when we be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. See, we can fall back into that world of anxiety if we're not casting all our cares upon him if we're not praying about everything, if we're not giving it to the Lord, we can miss the peace of God. The peace of Christmas is found in Christ. The hope of Christmas is found in Christ. Because through Christ, we will once again live in the presence of God. Paradise is restored. Amen? Paradise is restored. We have that promise that in Christ, through Christ, we have a relationship with eternal God. In Christ, we have the promise of eternal life. Not just living in a garden, not going in a place of beauty, but to be in the very presence of God. The one who made that garden paradise promises each of us a place. <laughs> he is preparing a place. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what makes heaven such a paradise. That's what eternal life is all about. Home is where we long to be. 
paradise if they belong to thee. And we can only be there through Christ. Let me ask as we close, do you know the Lord Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior? Do you know Christ? Do you know, do you have the assurance in your heart of a home in heaven, a place in heaven in the presence of God? And you say, well, I'm so unworthy. We all are unworthy. We're all sinners by nature and by choice. But Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, to have a relationship with God. Do you know what it's like to have peace with God? Can you lay your head on your pillow at night knowing that things are right between you and God? Do you know what it's like to have the peace of God? Are you giving and casting your cares on the Lord and allowing him to bear those burdens for you? This morning, come to Christ. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not turn them away. Come to Christ. You don't know the peace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the peace that you offer us in your son. We thank you, Father, for the fact that Christ died to reconcile us, to restore, to bring peace, to bring us back into a right relationship with God the Father. Lord, we thank you that in his name we have salvation today. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that does not know the peace of God, if there's one here today that does not have peace with God, that today they'd come to Jesus, come to Christ. Lord, as we come to this table, we're reminded of the price that was paid for us, that we might have peace with you. So, Father, I pray now in, the, in these next few moments, God, that you would begin to do the work that only you can do as you draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself. Father, as you give that peace to those who've been looking for it in all the wrong places, but God, may they find the peace of God this morning through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. This morning, the altar is open if you need to come and pray, or we'll be glad to share with you how you can know Christ today if you don't know him. We'd love to come and unite with this church. We invite you.